Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 60. We're actually at the end of series five now. Um, and we are here with Ryan Quinn. Ryan, um, welcome to the podcast. Um, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. First of all, Ryan, um, I'm looking forward to being on. First ever podcast um, that I've done. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Good man. Um, and you're straight off the back of a Pretty traumatic, traumatic experience coming back from Paris as well. Yeah, me and my partner were in Paris for a couple of days last week and we were only meant to be over for five days and somehow it turned into about seven or eight because it took us about three days to get home. Um, yeah, so, that yeah, was a not podcast a in itself. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it really would be. Uh, not a great experience, but you learn from it and you can move on, so it's fine. Yeah, okay. 100%, mate. Um, so, Ryan, for anyone that doesn't know, what is it? What is it you do? So, in a nutshell, generally, my uh, business is financial advice. I've got a financial ad advising business, um, which has stemmed from years of probably leading up to this point through various different ways, roles, businesses, jobs, um, to get to a point now that uh, I'm, I'm fully qualified, regulated to give financial advice. Cool. And in terms of you like growing up was that something that you wanted to do when you were when you were a wee guy i think it's one of those funny things i don't think anybody as a wee guy would say i want to be a financial advisor and um, i think it's usually the footballer and all, all that type of weird and wonderful things but i always now looking back as i got older i always had a a pretty blunt concept of money and what it meant it probably came from um, the foundation being instilled through my mum. She would always, you know, I think I had, I think I very early on got a, a good savings habit, good habits around money, um, that I wasn't realising that I was creating at the time. Um, you know, it was through my mum, I would, at six, seven, eight, nine, open the curtains in the morning, take the dishes out of the dishwasher, make the bed, and I'd get 50p a day. Now, for me, that was, you know, I, I thrived on that, I jumped on it. My sister was completely upset. She didn't care about it. So through that, I was getting £2.50, £3 a week. And at that time, in the 90s, you could buy half the, the little corner shop with that kind of money. So um, on the Friday, I'd go down with all the kids of the street, and I was the king of the street, giving out one penny sweets to everybody. Um, and I think through that, I used to always ask my mum for PlayStation games. Again, growing up, seven, eight, nine, and she got to a point where she just stopped buying me them. She said, if you want them, you can buy them yourself. So that saving concept then delayed gratification and realising it would take me two months to get my PlayStation game. And so I think that all, all stemmed from there. Um, I probably realised that money gave... I think I realised very early on as well that money is just a form of communication. You know, there's no ego attached to money there's no status that should be attached to money it's just the way you communicate with other people you know you've got five apples and i'm a shoemaker so if you give me your apples i'll fix your shoes actually that doesn't really work out because the value is not there so if you can do it through this little bit of paper there's more value in it you know you give me what i fix your shoes but you give me five bags of apples instead of the one so it's a form of communication it's a way to trade and i very quickly realized that um, and I think through getting more money as I was younger, through working, through saving it up, I then also realised that it gave me more choice than the other kids in the street. 
I could choose to go to the shop and spend it on sweets, or I could choose to save it, or I could choose to spend it on a PlayStation game, or I could choose to go and buy a pair of shoes or something like that. So at a very, very early age, I realised that money was just something that gave me more choice, and I liked it. It is funny how the the habits in your in your youth can really shape your mindset later on in life. I, I can just always recall back to like my dad would, he would send me, because I was almost had to be forced to do this. I didn't maybe have the same mindset as you. I was almost forced to do this. And my dad would tell me, you're going away to plant trees in the in the summer. And I absolutely despised it, like every second of it. But you'd come off the back of the summer holidays with like, I probably at that point, I'd probably saved up about 500, 600 pounds. And for me being what, like 14, 15, that was, I was rich. Like I had loads of money. I would probably go and splurge it on FIFA points, but um, it wasn't yeah. the best way to spend it. But it then led you to understand that actually there's value in, in hard work. And as you said, delayed gratification, like seeing the long-term goal, doing the work now, getting the money later. Um, and then it led me to kind of do that every single summer up until I was probably about 18. Um, yeah. Did you have kind of like experience of that later on in life, like as you into your teens? Yeah, so I think, again, going back to like the way my mum probably brought us up, very early on, if I wanted something, I had to get it. You know, there wasn't, I didn't have that. Um, if I cried and moaned and kicked my feet and, you know, stamped around the house, I would eventually get it. I just didn't get it. So I, I realised that if I wanted something that cost money, I'd have to find a way to get it. So again, primary seven in the first year, I had a paper round like a lot of people would, and I'd spend my now back in Livingston. You'd got a half day on a on a Friday from school, so I'd spend my Thursday after school, and then from twelve o'clock on a Friday till kind of three four o'clock delivering papers around all the streets. And I used to see all the kids because again, when it got to twelve o'clock on a Friday, everyone would go and play football till dinner time. It was great, but. I saw the kids in the street playing football and I was around delivering papers, which I didn't like. But then what I would start to do is, I'm like, how, I'm, I'm making X amount of money from the papers. How can I bolt something else onto that? So I started going online and selling, buying the, the Livestrong bands. And the, you know the wee bands all the footballers used to wear? Yeah, yeah. So I used to bulk buy them off the internet. And as I went around the streets with the papers, I'd knock on the door and see if, anybody would want to buy one of these bands to the point where I would get some of the kids who were playing football, the younger ones, I'd give them a bit of money if they would go and knock on the other doors and sell them. So yeah. it kind of all came from that because what I realised is, again, probably, I didn't realise this concept at that time, but I was doing it, is that if I just give up my time for the money, I've only got a finite amount of time each day. But if I can get the kids or if I can get the money or other people to help me make more, I would have more. You know, like you're saying about going and planting trees. Well, can you get other people to help you plant the trees and you get a bit of money from, do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's where um, those types of concepts, you know, investing, you can call it time, you know, not giving up your time for money, started to develop, but I didn't realise it at the time. Um, I think going to university as well, and then I got, like you're saying, to my teenage years and other outside external influences started coming in. I think it's a very British thing. I think I got it into my head that money's bad or that you don't want to talk about money or, you know, if you strive to get money or to be in a good financial position, you're greedy. 
And I think those things started coming in a little bit more. I was still working and still, you know, I went to university to do sports development and coaching. So I was doing football coaching on the side for, you know, the council and the SFA. And I would get a bit of money for that, not a lot. But uni being uni as well, you would just go and spend it going on out, nights out and everything with your friends. So that's fine. But I do remember not having the same desire to save and grow and have the choice through money because I, I would say it was probably a Brit- it's a very British thing to, to not talk about it or not strive for it. Yeah, I, I certainly noticed that, especially like around this area. Like anyone who has money or has seen us to have money, even if they aren't talking about it, there is a bit of people kind of get their back up with them for no reason and they don't really see everything that goes on in the background to actually for that person to get where they are today. Don't get me wrong, some people will inherit money, some people will have it handed down, but a lot of these people have made their money, but it still kind of puts people's back up. Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, definitely. I think there is, a again, that British thing of if you've got money, you're seen to seem to be either egotistical or arrogant or, you know, this status thing or, you know, if you flaunt money. Or, and, and you see it up to a point, but again, coming back to that blunt recognition of it's just a, well, again, it's a form of communication. And a lot of people are taking that communication as you're a, a bad person or you're a greedy person or, you, you know, that's the way they are judging and communicating with you. When mm-hmm. really it's just a form of, a form of trading, you know. Yeah. These days you make your money and the numbers on your, bank account screen go up and then at the end of the month they're a bit lower and then they go up again and that's all really now comes down it's just numbers on a screen Um, but a lot of people attach certain emotions I suppose to it yeah and over your kind of years of working in this this industry how how have you found it working with clients that do attach too much emotion to it is that is that an issue if that makes sense I don't know if attaching too much of emotion is an issue. You Sometimes we need to unpick it. Again, I'm a, <clears throat> your, your title is a financial advisor, but I see myself more as a financial coach. You're kind of like yourself in terms of the health and fitness industry. It's similar in terms of you know, the financial setup. I do believe a lot of things or why people would consider themselves bad with money or they have these self-destructive behaviours around money, like a lot of other avenues in your life you can kind of trace it back to a void or a vacuum usually in childhood there's something that's went on that you've then that feedback loop in your brain you've went if I get this money and I spend it on this everybody loves me or if I buy clothes I look better or you know that's it comes down to the status thing again I'm a bit bigger status around my community and society because I've got better clothes because I've spent all my money on them So you find a lot of people get caught up. Again, there's a great book that talks about getting caught up in the rat race. As soon as you get money, you spend every single penny at the end of the month, and then you do it all again. And you're just in this constant rat race of getting it, spending it, getting it, instead of looking at that, developing that habit, which again, I was probably quite fortunate in a a young stage of of being able to save in the concept of saving, which is quite difficult um, if you've never really done it before, but it's something that, from a financial advising point of view, financial coaching is integral to start to be good with money. So I think there's not really, I would say, an emotional um, clients come with emotions attached to money. It's more there's something that's went on before that's led to why their behaviours are the way they are now. 
yeah, it's an interesting take on on money actually. And I, I ask myself this question a lot now when I do find myself on a particular website looking at clothes and looking at the new hoodie that's came out. Um, and I'm like, do I actually need this, or is there? I, I even do it with like gym gear as well. Like I'm notoriously buying new gym gear all the time, and I'm like, I don't need it. So what is it that I'm actually doing this for? Is it because I think I look quite good in this Nike t-shirt in the gym and I want a new one, I want a new colour because everyone's going to... Like, there is a bit of me in the back of my mind. I know from a, perhaps... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, a self-conscious version of me like a few years ago that would have needed that haircut, new t-shirt, new hoodie, um, bit of Stone Island or something like that to really be confident in myself. But I ask myself that question a bit more now, and that's what's allowed me to make some more informed choices when I'm buying things like that, material objects. Um, is that like something you come across quite a bit, like just this impulse buying material objects to boost confidence? Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's going back to that kind of what's your values and motivations in, in life, I suppose. And again, going back to those voids and vacuums of why you're younger, I, th- I think... A, quite a powerful thing people can do to just figure out where these little patterns are coming from is just to constantly ask yourself why so you're saying that it came from a self-conscious point of view why oh well when i was at school this happened to me and that, that's always stuck in my head why because really all your brains and again without going too much off topic all your brain's doing is trying to keep you safe and secure constantly so you're buying those new night hoodies and things and your brain's, in your mind, your brain's going, now you're going to be safe and secure. People in your community, your tribe, whatever, are going to value you more. You're going to have better status. And it's yeah. trying to take, unpick that and take the money and finances and the status and the safety and the security of your brain and keep them in their own lane. Yeah, I think um, Joe actually did quite a quite an interesting task in his new success system that he put up. So it's like a, basically an Excel sheet. And I think he had like your values and you could basically like list what they were like your highest values for example I love traveling I love food eating out and stuff like that so that was quite high on my list and then alongside it you almost had to do a sheet of your spending and where most of your money was going in terms of your bills in terms of and then for me I looked and I was like right okay so I am actually spending quite a lot of money on eating out and, and food and I am actually spending quite a bit of money on travel but that matches up with what I value highest in life therefore I'm okay with that However, I think then if there's a disconnect and right, so I'm spending loads in clothes on clothes, but I really want to be traveling here, then I think that's maybe where there's the, the disconnect, as I said. Totally. I think also it comes down to, again, trying to bring it down on another level, you know, asking why again and going, right, what is it about traveling, eating out that you really like? You know, I, again, I've done these tasks before about your highest values and what it is you want to get out of life. And you can even bring it down further now. Again, for me, a big value is um, learning. I love to learn. So I like buying books or I like going, why do I like traveling? Because I like to learn about other communities, cultures, food, you know, languages. Communication is another big thing for me. I like to be able to communicate with as many people as possible through language but also money, finances have to be attached to that somehow. If I want to live to my highest values, I need to make sure I'm respecting money. If I'm not respecting the money I have, I'm not going to be able to communicate with different people around the world, i.e. traveling. I'm not going to be able to learn as much as I possibly can through 
different people, books, whatever it can be. Um, progression as well. I love to progress. I like to see myself progressing. To do that, finances have to be respected. Yeah, know what I mean. Nah, for yeah. sure. Um, so something that kind of popped up quite a few times with like speaking to my clients and conversations I've had over the past few months is, I mean, this, and in the market as like a coach, like trying to sell coaching programs, like cost of living crisis is obviously something that's affecting everyone. You just need to go to the Tesco down the road and you look at, uh, I think uh, last night I looked at, it was like a tub of gravy and I was like three quid for a tub of Bisto. I was like, what is going on in the world? Um, how... How have you found, I mean, the, the cost of living crisis and what advice have you been giving out to people? I'm sure there's a whole load of different angles you could go at with this. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure. It's, it is a hard, touchy subject because of what's going on now. Without going too much into technical aspects of you know financial advice and, and money and how it all kind of works in the bigger system, there's always peaks and troughs. You know, the long-term cycles or short-term cycles with money and, you know, inflation and interest, all these different weird and, you know, wonderful concepts. But it always goes up and down. And right now we're kind of, we were at a peak and we're kind of coming down. Everything's seeming like it's going to come crashing down and everybody's a bit nervous. But it'll bounce and it'll come back up again. It might be five years, 10 years, three years, but it will always happen. So if you have that kind of high-level perspective and also a, a little bit of gratitude as well you know what you have got so far and what you know you can get going forward I also think there's there was a great quote I heard and again it might not apply to everybody but it's good to just have it in your head or write it down it was when I was trying to get involved I came back from university I had no money to my name Joe actually takes the mickey out me still for it that I turned up to his house with a seven pound as the mobile in my pocket a top-up mobile because I had no money. I'd been traveling and I'd spent it all. And I was coming home to kind of start grounding myself, getting into a full-time job or work and really start earning some money. Because after, you know, even school and then on to university, I was never full-time earning money. It was always part-time as well as studying and stuff. So um, I got into the, you know, I looked at the investing type thing again, not giving up my time for money and trying to do two things at once in a way. And, got into the property type game. So, you know, started looking at investing in property. And to do that, you need I needed to go back to that saving and budgeting habit that I had when I was younger. Um, and I got had a great I saw a great quote that said, live, live now how other people won't. So in future you can live how other people can't. And I think the cost of it's maybe not completely relatable to the cost of living, but it's also just bringing it that concept to Instead of buying the three pound gravy from you know Bisto, buy the one pound Tesco gravy. I know it's not nice and it's not you know of your values eating in food and I get all that, but right now you're going to have to live how other people can or won't, you know. And if and, and if you you can bring in that self, and I think a lot of things your your um, business will be similar to mine in terms of clients and coaches and people that you'll speak to is there needs to be a high level of self-discipline and resilience. Whatever you're going to do, you've got to have self-discipline. That comes through a feedback loop sometimes and saying you're going to do something, right? I'm going to save, it doesn't have to be £100 a month. It could be £10 a month, but £10 is better than nothing. It's not as good as 100 but it's better than nothing. So you give yourself a task and you do that task 
It creates self-confidence, which creates self-discipline. Start small and build it up, but you've got to start somewhere. So again, instead of buying the three pound, whatever you buy the one pound, you know, you put a little bit of money away. There's some great um, apps. I can't remember what the app's called now. It's Plum or something. And if you link it to your bank account, if you spend £5.50, they'll round it up to £6 and they'll put £50 mm -hmm. in your plum account. So it's a way of saving without even knowing you're having to do it. But it builds good habits. So I think that the cost of living, it's, it's, it is a tricky one and there's no size fits all. But yeah. sometimes you've got to take a little bit self-discipline, sometimes resilience. And if you want to call it sacrifice, sacrifice to, to get yeah. out the other end. No, 100%. And I think it very closely relates to like health and fitness. And if you wanted to use the analogy of like tracking calories as well, you could probably use it in this in the same way, um, in the same kind of way as well. Um, but no, and I think RBS do something kind of similar to that app as well, just now where they mm -hmm. basically can round up. And I think I've got it set just now where it basically chucks it into a, a different account. I think you can do it to the nearest pence, pound or like 10 pounds or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is, I've been doing that for a while now. It's pretty helpful. Um, so another question I wanted to ask, if I was completely someone that had never really, never really looked at saving, budgeting, any sort of system that I could put in place to, to start doing that. Um, I mean, I only kind of in the past six months actually started having like my pots on RBS. I don't know why I hadn't been doing that before, but it just seems so obvious. Is there anything that you would recommend? Well, again, like we just kind of touched on there, those types of accounts you're saying about RBS, even what you were saying Joe had in terms of the value, and it really comes down to kind of tracking and you said their budgeting. One of the biggest things I, I started doing, and again, I got it from a podcast or a book or something, it was um, reviewing, and I don't do it every month, it's usually every three, so I can build up a bit of a kind of track record, but I just print off my bank statements and I'll start going through them. Well, fine tooth comb, and you very quickly see what you're, spending slash wasting your money on um, and again then you can start going i'm spending a lot on clothes why it makes me feel good why oh well when i was young and you can even break it down to why you're doing these habits and it's it's as simple as just looking through your bank accounts writing everything down and then again testing yourself and i think that's something again going back to childhood i've always been good at is i've been my own not worst enemy, biggest competitor. You know, in football, if you wanted that ball off of me more than I wanted to get off, fine, take it. I don't think I've been that competitive with other people as much. But again, with myself, and it, again, go back to the gym, you know, I'm very competitive in the gym, but it's only to me, you know, the, the extra pull-up, the extra push. And it's the same with this type of stuff. It's, you get competitive with yourself, set yourself some tasks and challenges, but they can be fun. This, year, this month I'm going to save X amount or I'm not going to spend, you know, X amount. I, I went through a phase, the lockdown probably phase, where the amount of money I was spending on Just Eat was crazy, you know. So even in myself, there's there's things I can improve on. But again, I wouldn't have known that to the the detail I did if I didn't go through my bank statements and going, holy, I'm spending that much on Just Eat. Right, tasks, challenge, cutting that by a half. What can I do instead of going there? Well, I need to buy more food in. I need to, and you, you work out those things. So for budgeting and saving, those little apps and what you're doing is a great start. And again, just going through your bank statements, I would say. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. I think I did that at some point last year. 
Um, and I hadn't even really realized that, but I'd got into the routine of before I went to every one of my morning sessions, I would go to get a Costa from the Shell Garage, which is expensive anyway. And then I would buy a grenade bar. And we all know grenade bars from the Shell Garage are about three quid. And then I'd maybe be doing that like three or four times a week. And did I really need that? No, I had a coffee machine at home. It was just pointless. Um, and you're talking, yeah, it's just, it's it's habit. And I think, I think the most basic thing that you could literally do is probably just go and do that. And then just like, I mean, I know a lot of people don't do this either is literally just having like your outgoings, especially if you're like now paying a mortgage and paying bills and things like that, like have your outgoings and then have basically everything else that you're spending and know that because if you don't know that you can literally just go look at your bank account and go, Oh fuck, shit. Like I've spent too much money, but without actually knowing the number, yeah, again, that's kind of like the emotions there as well. You get a bit triggered. Oh, shit, I spent too much money this month. But you don't actually know how much is going in or going out. It's just like the number on your bank account, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would also say that when you're talking about saving and budgeting and you know investing as well, again, that's the next layer on top of you've saved, you've, you're getting good at budgeting, you're then getting good at saving, right? What do we do with this extra money? Just leave it in the bank account inflation is going to take it back off you type thing right let's invest let's now you know start striving and thriving with it with our finances and i think it it, it kind of comes back to that how, how do we describe it you you've got to relate it to a value or a goal of yours everything there's no point just oh i need to get better at money right i'll just save you might start saving for a month or two but it'll fall away a bit there needs to be it needs to be linked to a high value for me Again, going back to probably my mum when we were younger, she's, I wouldn't say had a morbid outlook on life, but she was always very good at being like, if I came in crying for school or I'd done, Brian, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Stop one of it. Type thing. So there's always been that morbid outlook of, I could be on my deathbed tomorrow or in a couple of months' time. What do I want to achieve when I'm lying on my deathbed about to close my eyes? And then work back from there. You know, I can then very quickly relate that saving and those budgeting and that, which after a month or two can fall away. Hey, hold on a minute. If I don't go traveling or if I don't do that, I might be lying in my deathbed. And I, cut, and I know it's a, a morbid way of looking at things, but it puts the perspective into why you're doing it and it constantly, you can relate back to why you're doing it. And yeah. I think that's sometimes key is you can, everybody's not going to have willpower and motivation every day. But if you can always relate it back to why you're doing it and you've went down those levels enough and you've asked why to yourself enough and you get to that proper answer, then you should be able to keep these kind of saving and budgeting and these types of habits up. Yeah, I think that's kind of brings a question to mind as well. Not a question, but something that people have maybe said to me over the past couple of years are like, fucking hell, another holiday. And I'm like, well, yes, but you do realise I've not been in the pub for like the past three months I've not been like out every weekend and it's just because this is what I find important. Um, oh, it's another X amount on this course or you're away down to see this thing. And it's just like, this is what I what I value. This is what I find important. I will find a way of setting aside money to make this happen. Um, and as I said, it's just, it is all about values. It's funny how you can like come into like a topic about money or, or fitness or almost everything. It always comes back to that usually. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's because, like you say, we, from when when we started um, this episode, it was straight away. It was going on about what money actually is, what it really is. Not 
you know, the bit of paper or the numbers on a screen, but it's just a form of communication. It's just, there's no ego or status. It should be attached to it. We shouldn't really have, you know, it shouldn't be a bad taboo or a bad thing to talk about money with your friends or your family, but it is. You know, and again, going back to the British thing, I think it is quite a British thing. But if you can take away those types of concepts or, you know, thought processes around money and attach it to, start attaching it to your values, it doesn't become as hard to save money. You don't become as bad at money as, like you say, you might have clients on that, oh, I'm really bad with my money. Why? There's no reason to be in a way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's funny how it always kind of relates to that. Yeah, I think people just kind of need to, they need to actually sit for a second and ask themselves the question. Um, but the, the kind of one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, and you touched on it already, was like that next step, like in investing money. Now, and I know like when you think about investing money, you could almost think about it in the sense of investing money back into yourself and then looking for that long-term return of investment. Or you could think about what I would picture as investing. The first thing that comes to my mind is actually investing money in something where where would you start? So I think firstly, just to give a bit of kind of background, that <clears throat> like I say, I got home from university and I knew that I wanted to get back to the being able to save money, give myself that choice again with having savings in the bank account. I can either do this or do that. And I think I got a full time job again down the kind of coaching route and the sports route. Um, and then on the side, I set up a, my own football coaching business. So I had classes all around the south of Glasgow for about four or five years, um, built up to a good level as well. Had some coaches work again, coaches working for me, building the business. They're over there doing that class while I'm over here doing this class. And then COVID hit and I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't know what to do. The classes started dwindling. And then as soon as COVID kind of took charge of everybody, the classes just stopped. But I think, again, relating back, it was that way of I'm, and I literally, Ryan, I was working full time and then I was given up on, well, it was Monday evening, Tuesday, Wednesday, two classes on Wednesday, Thursday, futsal class, Friday, usually a birthday party, Saturday, nine till three, and then my Sunday I would either have off if I was lucky or I would be doing two birthday parties a morning and an afternoon. So the only, sorry, the only night I would have off would be a Monday. So, okay, yeah, I'm now doing that thing I wanted to do. I'm, I'm getting money. I'm getting this choice. But I actually wasn't getting any choice because I had no time to choose what I wanted to do. And I think some people fall into that um, concept as well where it's like, right, to get better at money or to get more money, I need a promotion. What usually a promotion means is more responsibility, which is good. It does mean more money, but it usually means more time. So now these values of, wanting to go traveling and want to do all these things, taking the kids to, that just stops, you know, because you're giving up more time. Right, well, now let's look at how do we get our time back, but still, the money still works for us. And that's where we fall and invest it. You know, money making money instead of me making the money. I can still make my money over here, doing my 95, but I'm putting money into this investment vehicle or concept that's doing it for me. There's obviously the way you invest, without getting far too technical, is you invest in assets. You know, you've got your assets and liabilities. Liabilities take money out of your pocket every month, your car, you know, doing hobbies or whatever you want to call it. And cars usually the big one. Assets put money in your pocket every month. You know, so you want to invest in assets. Some of the easier ones to do is 
stocks and shares. You know, you can you can set up you know those accounts uh, online, or you can you can go like for instance to a financial advisor and you can invest money with them, who will then put it into stocks and shares. And again, over the longer term, because these types of things aren't short term fixes. And um, we're talking about you know putting it in and having that self discipline and and uh, patience to let it grow. But you know, over time, you should see your money growing. So I think investing in stocks and shares, using the right tax efficient vehicles to do it is probably the easiest way, but you still either need to do some research yourself or go and find somebody who's you know, a financial advisor that knows what they're doing to then start, like what we said, they're thriving on the money you've been able to save. Um, there's obviously other assets like property. Property was the one I first started getting into before going down the financial advice route. But what I, again, realized relatively quickly after a couple of years of buying properties and renting them out was that it's not as time efficient as you think. There's a lot of work that goes in, especially as you start growing and, and, and buying more properties. There's more work that goes in to keeping those properties running and the tenants and the, you know everything like that, the bills and the council, than you would think. So um, it's really about when you're at the stage of wanting to invest what do you want to invest in and how much time do you have to give up? Yeah. Back to that time concept. No, that makes sense. But something that you'd said like earlier on was that when people are kind of like they're money rich but time poor, um, this is something like obviously see all the time when people are kind of like like they're, they have this business or they have this career and they're just like grafting, 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 but literally have two minutes for their son or daughter at the end of the day they've got no time at the weekend they're doing homework left right and center and like i think people get so caught up in that because they are making x amount of money or they are having some sort of i don't know what they're doing but it's it's so hard to pull that time back like i could think of a couple of examples of maybe like clients in the past or people that i know where it's like when do you actually take time back what does money mean if you've not got time um yeah yeah, 100%. And I think, like you see, and I went through that period that I kind of explained where I had a Monday evening and that was all I really had. I lost relationships and everything from it because I had this hyper focus of wanting to build this money and I wanted to have more choice and all that kind of thing. And what actually also happens is your mentality, you get to the point where it's Monday evening and I don't want to look at investment accounts and I don't, you know, I want to take the kids or I want to spend an hour with the kids or these are the things, again, you go back to your values, but then it's it's then thinking, well, who can I get to help me? I need a fitness coach to keep me accountable. I need a financial coach to keep me on track. I need, and it's about making sure you're pulling in, what would you describe it, a power team of people that can keep you, although you don't have a lot of time yourself and you're making this good money, you've got a team around you that's keeping you on the right tracks with the different parts of your life that will relate back to the values, the kids, the traveling, the eating out, whatever it is you're looking to do. Um, and like you say, I think you're right. There are, whether it's a good or bad thing, a lot of people that fall into that money rich, time poor um, yeah. category. That's why I recently did this as well, where I brought someone on board to help me with my programming because I was at a position where if I had taken on five more clients, I would have then been working Sundays or I would have been working the whole of Saturday morning as well. And in my head, I'm like, 
do I pay X amount to person to help me gain back some time or do I just go and graft that time anyway? And the majority of the time, I think, I mean, I'd been doing it for a while as well. I'd been just picking, okay, do it yourself, take your own time up. But you eventually you get to that point where you do only have the Monday evening free. Um, and it is, again, it's about seeing that like investment in the short term to actually have, well, happiness, fulfillment, and generally a bit of time to do what you want to do in the long term. Um, it's always a hard one to start off with, but over time, it always pays dividends. I think there is that kind of um, <clears throat> thought process of one step back for two step forwards as well, which can be hard to swallow at times. You know, I need to invest in, like you say, either a business, your business to bring somebody else on, or I really should be investing over here, but then the money won't be. And again, it goes back to that, but the money won't be in my account anymore. Right, I have no time, and I, I graft every single day. But see, when I check my bank account, it looks nice. And there's there's all that money, and it keeps me safe. It keeps me secure. Going back to that safety and security thing again. Well, actually, all that's happening is keeping that money in that bank account and having a look at it. You know, it's, it's eroding without you even knowing you know, that silent killer that is inflation, you don't see it firsthand, but it's happening. So you need to get, if you're money rich and time poor, you need to get that money working. And like you say, it goes down to that investment type thing. You then become, you can start thriving on that. And you might look back in 10 years time and go, wow, look at my investment accounts. Look at what I've, I don't actually need that extra day's work anymore. It might not even be 10 years. A lot of the time it's a couple of years, um, five, five years even, half of that time. Um, you can look back and go, I don't need to do work a Friday anymore. You know, I don't need to work a third. Again, I have a lot of clients, it's it, it's not it's not always the time thing, but it's actually what they want to create for their family, their kids. I want to put money away so the, you know, I never managed to get a car when I was 18 because we didn't have any money in my house. I want to make sure when the wee man's 18, we have enough money for his first car or a house deposit or you know, further educate, whatever it is attaching it back to your value, that's why you're doing it. Yeah, no, 100%, mate. I like that. Um, so, mate, where can people find you online? Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Ryan Quinn Wealth Management. Uh, type that in, you should get it on the Instagram. I've got my um, my email address as well, ryan.quinn at sjpp.co.uk and LinkedIn as well. You can you can find me there. I'm, I'm pretty, but I try to stay as active as possible on them all, so um yeah if they want to have a wee look they can they can get in contact with me that way yeah spot on and if anyone's got like any sort of more like slightly technical questions based on anything we've spoke about would it be okay for them to give you a little message 100 percent. yeah again that's my full-time job type thing you know so that's that's the business that i'm running so anything you know investment wise i've just had a, someone reach out just before we came on today regarding their pensions and and that's a big one as well. I find a lot of people just don't know where to start with that type of stuff. Like I've been working all my life. I've been working really hard, like we talk about, and I think I've got these pensions that are all dotted about, but what do I do with it? Would I? And, you know, it is quite a, um, a minefield. So this is what, you know, the, the financial advice and uh, that, that that's the reason for it. I, I've started in property Um without continuing on here, I know I think we're about to wrap up, but I started in property and then after a couple of years, as, as it kind of happens, people would reach out and go, Ryan, how do I do the property thing and how does it work? And you would give them some, I wouldn't say advice, I'm not allowed to at that point, but you tell them how you did it. But then what I would think is I'm actually missing a whole load of people here that 
don't want to get into property. Maybe don't have the the funds at that level to get involved. In, but they have funds there to invest and to to grow and to help the wee man out with his first car or to help their daughter go to university that I'm missing. You know, so what can I do to have a holistic approach now to the financial, if you want to call it financial coaching um, type thing that I can influence and help more people? So that's where the financial advice came in. And again, going down the technical route, that now is my job. Um, yeah. So, no, yeah. I think it's, I honestly think it's a, it's a massive I know there's other people doing similar things, but I think it is a gap because uh, me included, but it's probably from a selfish point of view why I kind of wanted to get you on the podcast because there's a lot of these questions that I had myself as well. Um, and there's a lot of things that I'm just like, oh, I could do that, but I'm not sure. I was like, I fancy doing that, but I don't know how to do it. Like, and myself, I'm like, I've got the time to go and research that and stuff. So yeah, it's maybe something I'm going to be thinking about. And I think there's a stigma as well, and unfortunately, and I, I would even say, and I know why there's a stigma, because I probably had it in my mid-20s myself, is that people think to reach out to a financial advisor or these financial professionals, it's going to cost me money straight off the back. You know, a, a 15, 20, I've had people that have phoned me up, and again, initial calls are all free, initial meetings are free, um, but I've had someone call me up before, a good friend from university, actually. And I spent half an hour on the phone just kind of going through what it was he was trying to do. And he went, how much do I owe you? Like, no, 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 that's not how it works. They don't owe me anything. But I think there's this misconception. Um, and again, like I say, I know, I understand why, because I had that myself that, like other financial professionals, maybe accountants and solicitors that do charge based on time, not all of them, but some of them do, that financial advisors are the same. And I think it's probably trying to break that barrier to people as well as to look, reach out. And if you've got a couple of questions, I'm more than happy to, you know, schedule some time in the diary to, to go through them um, and however detailed you need. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 something that um, people need to understand that it's not based on, or at least my service isn't based on time. Yeah, no, I think, I honestly think there'll be a few people listening to this right now that will be thinking, hmm. I'll maybe get in touch. Um, so no, mate, thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate your time. Um, and I think a lot of people will take a lot away from that. Um, and mate, not good, good first podcast, I would say. Great. Thanks very much. And I appreciate it again for you have, having me on. It's been great. Oh, no worries, mate. Thank you. I'll catch you in a bit. Here's right.